Well, look who decided to finally show up again. Jeremy Spector, back up behind the yellow line. How you doing, Jeremy? Doing all right. Doing all right. Feeling a little better than I was uh, last week. Feeling pretty good after that Bears win. A Bears win yeah, Tuesday. Wow. Had a big Monday night win. So uh, feeling pretty good, actually, after that. Yeah, yeah, lots going on. Well, it's good to have you back. It's been a couple of weeks since the full crew has been back here on the show. We are on the Tuesday, October 25th, before the World Series starts this Friday. We've got some thoughts on the Fall Classic. Definitely want to talk some Cubs baseball here, just how we're feeling a couple of weeks into October. And as we get ready for this offseason to start, we'll dip around some awards, gold glove, big name for the Cubs, big snub for the Cubs as well, and kind of see where it goes from there. But this is our 87th podcast. We're on Twitter at BTYL Podcast. Uh, but guys, here we are, October 25th. If, if, if I were to ask you, you know, how are you feeling about Chicago Cubs baseball today, right? There's some guys playing in fall. Other than that, not a whole lot they can do. Jeremy, are you, are you feeling optimistic about the Cubs today or is your mind elsewhere? I'm feeling optimistic about the Cubs today. I, I, I really think, you know, there's kind of an opportunity with this offseason. And I, I believe that the Cubs are going to make some moves this offseason. I, I just, I have faith. So if they pull a, you know, a 2019, 2018 offseason where you had Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and all those guys out there, and the Cubs did absolutely nothing, uh, you know, except for maybe Daniel Descalso, I will, that will just break and crush me. So I have faith. They have this. They have this. They have this uh, core kind of set up right now, and I think they're gonna. Have, they're gonna have to do something. They're gonna do something to add it, and I'm optimistic that they will do that. I don't believe that they don't want to win. I think they do want to win. So I think they're going to have a big off, big off season. Yeah, you know, I'm with Jeremy. I'm cautiously optimistic as we sit here on October 25th, probably a week to ten days away from the World Series being over, and and offseason beginning in earnest, I'm cautiously optimistic. I think they're going to spend some money this offseason, or at least they're going to make the the illusion of making an effort to spend money this offseason. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to skip to that so that we can actually see where it goes instead of just discussing it ad nauseum. Yeah, it's only like, you know, maybe two weeks away from we're going to be discussing offseason, uh, you know, the tender deadline, which we're going to discuss a little bit, it's going to come up very soon. Free agents are going to, guys with the opt out, you know, they're going to come up soon. And honestly, you know, it's kind of sad watching this playoffs and seeing, uh, you know, the Yankees lose a team like the Yankees lose. And, and, you know, knowing that there's probably a guy who fits so well at first base and it's probably not going to happen next year, but he, the Cubs need a first baseman and he's going to opt out in Rizzo and just knowing he's out there and knowing that more than likely that reunion's not going to happen when the Cubs need a first baseman. Like he fits yeah. so well for next year's Cubs team. And that to me, that's one thing that I do see as disappointing that I want that so bad, that reunion right now, thinking about it. Cause you know, not, not a big, you know, not gonna give him like a five-year contract, but if he were to come back a year or two years, like that Cubs team can compete and he could be a key part of that at first base where we need a first baseman. Well, you Ronan, know that, go ahead. Ronan, you, you vacillate. Sometimes you're an optimist. Sometimes you're a pessimist. Sometimes you're in the middle. You're, you're what I like to call an pessimist. Where are you on this off season? As we, as we sit, I don't know if we're quite on the precipice of it. We're on the precipice of being on the precipice of the off season. I just different from every other off season for the last three or four years. I'm very confident they're going to spend money. They're going to go out and get a at least one big name. I think it's going to be a shortstop. They need to address the starting rotation. They're either going to go via trade or they're going to spend some money there. 
this is going to be a team that is going to be competitive next year. And I'm optimistic today. If you would ask me today, are the Cubs going to be a playoff team next season? I'd say, yeah, I'm buying that. Actually. I think that's the type of offseason they're going to have. And other issues in the division is also going to impact their ability to make another step forward. So I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. It's been a great playoffs though, too. So I wish we didn't have to wait, what, five days here for this World Series to start. But once it gets going, I'm going to enjoy the last live baseball of this year, and then it's time to go. And the Cubs have done everything. They're leaking stories that they're going to spend money. They're doing some good PR, dropping ticket prices for next year, little things like that. All of that, to me, is lining up. It's going to be a very aggressive offseason, and we're going to see a team that has a very good chance at a postseason berth next year. All right, let's go. Let's make it happen. Yeah, I agree with you. And also, you know, just to get back to what you were saying a little bit, um, I, it's still a little bit early because World Series hasn't happened so often. But like a lot of times in the past, we kind of always gotten like right when everything starts, we get that. It's like, well, you know, the Cubs aren't really going to be able to spend money this offseason or whatever. We haven't really gotten that story yet. No, You know, as you've been saying, it's kind of been the opposite. And they have money to spend. You look at how much money they have committed next year. It's not a ton of money. So they have a lot of opportunity and money to spend. And, and I, I, I fully agree with you. I think the Cubs are going to have a optimist or excuse me, a big off season that will optimistically for me, put them in that, you know, wild card, possibly division fight. Yeah. And as we see in this playoffs, like six teams make the playoffs, right? I mean, the Phillies are in the world series. So anybody, that's the last team they got in the playoffs, I believe. So, you know, anybody can make it. Yeah. Well, they've definitely got some added wild card slots, but the division might end up being the more likely chance of them getting into the postseason for next year. Lots of interesting teams in the National League right now. You're talking about first baseman, though. Last week when Randall and I were here, we talked about Jose Abreu. What do you think? One, would you want him on the Cubs? And two, how likely do you think it is that he does that or that that occurs? So, you know, obviously being a White Sox Jose Abreu, it, it's always been kind of, you know, that guy on the other side of town, you know, especially when Rizzo was here, you kind of, you know, Rizzo's our guy, we're going to support him. If you're a lot of co- comparison between the two, but yeah, I, I do think he surprised me to be honest. I thought Jose Abreu would be one of those guys that kind of fell off the face of the earth a little bit. Uh, he's getting older. He, I thought his bat speed would go down. He wouldn't hit the balls hard. And while he did kind of struggle to the end of, at the end of the season, he really he's hit the ball hard and his peripherals kind of are all still very strong. And I think I, I don't know what the I, I it's so hard for me not to see him going back to the White Sox, even though they talk about that. And I think it's smart for them to give Andrew Vaughn that first base job and kind of let Jose Abreu go. But I think for the Cubs, it is kind of a fit if he's if he's willing, you know, I would think he wants to stay in the city. Um, so I do see that as a, as a positive fit. And I, I would a reasonable, you know two-year contract, I think would be, you know, because he could, with the Cubs now, you have that DH spot. Like, you can yeah. fold, and he's not really been that DH guy, but you could fold. You have these opportunities now. You have these this flexibility that you didn't have before as an NL team. And so I would still be optimistic on a reasonable deal to bring Jose Abreu in. The Cubs do need a first baseman. I don't think they're going to go out and spend a lot of money for a first baseman, but a guy like an Abreu, as I mentioned, a guy like a Rizzo, kind of these guys that they're not quite in the twilight of the career. They could still produce offensively. I think those are kind of the guys you would want to you, you you would look at as a match that can come on a reasonable deal and still provide, you know, for a team in 2023 that is trying to fight for a playoff spot. Yeah, well, first base has to be an area they've got to look at. I think third base is a position that may need some attention as well. Uh, before we talk Arby's, Randall, let's talk extension. Do the Cubs reach an extension this offseason with Ian Happ? 
I don't think they do. Jeremy? Um, I'm going to be an optimistic guy, as I've been this whole podcast, and say, yeah, yes, I, I think I think Ian Happ has proven this past season, and we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but he got that Gold Glove uh, nomination that you were so big on, and I think he's shown that improvement that I do think going into next year, I think I think he's a reasonable guy to kind of build around. So I, I think they will. Would you be predicting the extension for him if he did not get that Gold Glove domination? Like, is that the is that is that the deal maker for you? It's not the deal maker for me, but it just shows. I think it shows the work he's put in, the how he's improved as an overall ball player. Like he's improved all across the board, in my opinion, in last year. And hopefully, it's not a fluke. I, I don't I don't know if he'll ever if he'll be as good as he was this past season. But he's always been like a guy who's always talked very positively about Chicago, which a lot of them have. To be fair, and they end up going different places i mean i remember he had chris bryan on his podcast but two of them were both saying like why would you ever want to play anywhere else and i kept thinking like exactly right you should both be staying but i do think like i think in half i think it's a good fit and i think yeah we could build around in half so i'm gonna be positive if you were to ballpark you're jed hoyer you make a phone call what does ian accept today like like what do you think wow. it takes for a, a lock there on ian hap coming back like a five-year type contract or at this point in his career, what would he accept and what do you think it takes? Yeah, he probably, I, I do think a five-year contract would be pretty reasonable for both sides if they can figure that out. Ian's what, like 27, I would say. So like if he were to sign a five-year deal, he'd get back into to free agency at what, 32? So like that seems to be kind of, re- I, I do think that would be a reasonable thing for both sides. I'm sure Ian probably would want more long-term, bigger money, whatever. But I do think you could find a fit. And the way the Cubs have kind of spent these past couple of years, like they've been really, really last year, to be honest, um, not like super big on handing out big long-term contracts. Look at Stroman. He got their big deal and it was only three years within the last year is an option. So I, I do think the Cubs kind of are probably, you know, not going to be super committed to a super long-term deal. But yeah, five-year deal, I think covering this period of his career would be a phenomenal deal. Ian Happ will play opening day 2023 at age 28, uh, August birthday. So he will turn 29 by the end of the 2023 season. It's kind of a mixed bag here on Nico. I'd I'd like to see them work something out. And, you know, 125, five, is that too much? I I think he would take that, but I don't know. That's sort of where my head is at. Obviously, any deal you make, it's got to be reasonable. You're not trying to absorb bad contracts right now. But I would think five... Yeah, somewhere in that range should be enough to bring him back. I will say, you mentioned Nico. I think that's my candidate for an extension this offseason. I think he has proven what kind of player he is. And I think with middle infielders being at a premium, whether he's your shortstop, whether he's your second baseman, I think, and him being younger, obviously, than Ian Happ, I think he's my candidate for an extension. I think they will work something out with him, probably buy out some of his arbitration years and keep him around in that middle infield as your, your anchor, your, your, your guy, Ronan, that's one of your terms, your guy in the middle infield for years to come. So that's my candidate. If I had to pick one, Nico is much more my candidate for an extension this off season. Yeah. I'm going to be optimistic, Rand. I'm going to say they get both done. All right. Nico, I'm, I'm feeling high after I, like I said, Bears win. I feel good. Everything's good. Feeling high. I'm going to say Ian and Nico, both Cubs for the long term, for the near future. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think getting Nico Horner done is a priority. And I'm hoping, you know, a lot of times these happen kind of in spring training, March-ish. 
right? Because that's kind of after like like the off season is kind of the focus of bringing in new players and you kind of settle. And then you have, you know, discussing the contracts for next year and whatever, and you can kind of focus on that. So I'm hoping we'll get, you know, right before opening day or a few weeks before opening day, we'll get that Nico Horner is going to be a cub for the long haul. Yeah. That's, that's very common. You said that uh, extensions get done in the spring just because that's the opportunity for the player to, uh, you know, be in the room with the representatives and with the front office and for everyone to kind of be in the same place whether that's uh, metaphorically or whether that's literally. Uh, so like you said, when we get to Mesa again in February of 2023, that will be the point at which to start looking out. You know, it's reading, hearing, whose representatives happen to be in Mesa or whatever. So the theme of this show, I think we're going to say is make it happen. Like big free agent signing, make it happen. Extensions with the young players, make it happen. That's the theme of this show is make it happen. My, I'm feeling in a good mood. I, I, I hope you guys are in a good mood. I, Ronan, you got to be in a good mood. You were just here this past weekend. So like, let's have a big good mood. You you feeling optimistic about, about Nico as well? Yeah. And uh, they have money to spend. I think that's the thing. And exactly. it seems to hold up a, 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 a hole for them potentially. And I do think uh, both of those guys are certainly a viable fit here for an extension. Uh, the next big decision for the Cubs is Arby's. Not what sandwich <laughs> you want to get, Randall what the Cubs are going to offer here, what they're going to counter with, uh, who they don't offer a contract to, are they non-tender? They've got 10 names here, headlined by Ian Happ. He's supposed to make around $10.5 million next year. They got about four players or so at or around $1 million. Guys like Nick Madrigal, Alec Mills, Cody Hoyer. Uh, So 10 guys, arbitration eligible, about $25 million or so in the balance if you take all their contracts here. Who do you look at when you look at this list as maybe the biggest or most high-profile player who will be non-tendered. Well, you, you say don't not about what sandwich. Don't limit yourself. You can get the player and you can get the curly fries, Ronan. Uh, I think the biggest money value on this list who does not get tendered a contract is probably Fran Mil Reyes. He's uh, due to make probably about $6 million in arbitration. Um, I do think they like what he brings to this team. I think they like the, the light tower power. I think they like the the mentorship he brings to some of the younger guys. Great moment in the dugout uh, near the end of the season where Fran Mill was screwing around with Velasquez and Morel, and he marks off his section of the dugout, tells them they aren't allowed to sit there. So I think they like what he provides in that dugout. It would not surprise me to see them non-tender him and then potentially bring him back at a lower contract value. But I do think Fran Mill Reyes at his projected $6 million is probably the highest money value on this list to not get tendered at that value by the Cubs. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, Randall. I, I think that Fran Mill does get tender. I mean, I, if you non-tender him, I mean, you are running the risk that he's a free agent. He can sign anywhere. Um, well, and 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 six mil. It's not, you know, it, that's just a an, an estimate of like they're still going to be negotiating. They could bring him bring him back at a lower number than six million, even after tendering him a contract because they're going to negotiate to sign a contract next year, and perhaps they go to arbitration, and then you know an arbitrator decides what the the number will be after that, and after his year last year to me i don't really think he's going to be in a position to really get probably what he wants um i still think it's not a huge number i still think they'll tender him a contract i think they'll figure out a way to agree on a contract uh for next year i i think he comes back for me i would be looking the two guys on this list for me and maybe i don't know maybe they do think he's too expensive but i i think you want to give him a chance to go through spring to really get a full season um and i just think it's too risky to let him go uh, for me, I would be looking at the two guys I'm looking at are Ortega and Brawl, who are basically in the same range. Um, for me, Stephen Brawl, I could see them going either way on like Stephen Brawl, because like I do think that there's some interesting stuff there, but 
he's a relief pitcher for the most part, a left-handed relief. Like there's so many guys out there that maybe you just go at the roster spot. Like do you really want to commit specifically to this one dude? And then for Ortega, I, 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 I'm thinking he will come back, but because just because it's not super expensive and, you know, you get an extra bat off the bench who has shown he couldn't hit right-handed pitching. But once again, like I could also see them maybe wanting the roster spot and trying somebody else in that position. So for those two, those are the two guys I'm kind of looking at thinking that they're not going to be back. Yeah. I, I think it's quite a few guys here that are going to get slashed and not going to be back next year. Uh, Reyes, nowhere near $6 million if he's coming back. Uh, I think that's going to be an obvious choice. He was awful. As a Cub, he wasn't good in Cleveland. Uh, he had, what, 10 days or seven days or something at the beginning of the year. He was like, oh, he's kind of hitting the ball. After that, he was terrible. And I think that's far more likely the guy. I also think when the Cubs look at the roster for next season, there's other names that will probably have comparable or better value in terms of production and certainly at a cheaper dollar figure. So I don't think he's coming back. I don't think Ortega is going to be back. I'm with you on Brault. I wouldn't be surprised if Rowan Wick is not a Chicago Cub next season i thought he was bad most of this year bullpen arms are not something that the cubs have any shortness of right now it's only a million and a half so maybe they go let's see what's there but i don't think rowan wick is going to be in many high leverage innings for the chicago cubs next season and alec mills what it's only eight hundred thousand dollars or so right but where does he really fit into the picture for next season i'd be surprised if he's back Brad Wick is my candidate in that lowest range. He's also a projected $800,000 guy. And verbatim, I would also ask, where does he fit in? Uh, coming off a, a number of different injuries and surgeries at uh, not, not just baseball related, uh, the heart related surgeries, very important things. Um, if it weren't for the low money value, less than a million, I would say they'll probably non-tender him. When the money gets to be that low, again, it can go either way. The team can say, you know, this is peanuts. We'll bring the guy back and see what you might be able to get out of him. But just on the basis of the player alone, Brad Wick would be one of my candidates on that low end to get jettisoned in favor of the roster spot. Yeah, I think I think most of these guys will be tender contracts. I think that uh, you know, especially on the lower end where it's really not worth that much, I, I I would be surprised if they're like I like Alec Mills. I I would be surprised if he's let go. Um, but I I think that you know just tendering a contract that just keeps them in play with your system or in your system. Um, I don't think Fran Mill Reyes is going to get six million dollars. I I don't think, but I do think he will be tendered a contract by the Cubs. Um, I I think that they'll probably come to some sort of agreement over the off season that to bring him back, if not, I, 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 I that's just my take on it. Cause I, I think they're going to want him. I think they're going to bring him back and they're going to want him to go through a full off season and with them. And I mean, maybe not, maybe he was so bad at the end of the last year. They're just, they don't care if they let him go, but I, I, I do think they will uh, bring him back. That's just my opinion. And I, I think that, I think Rowan Wick will come back. I, I don't see, He's been the system. He's been a guy. I, it's not going to be making us like the Cubs have so much money to spend. Like none of these moves really, it's not really freeing up that much money. It does free up some roster spots, you know, but I, I just see like, and if they want to move on from these guys in spring training, it's not, these numbers aren't going to kill them um, for the most part, if they want to move on and, and, you know, teams claim free agent pitchers all the time. So, or excuse me, um, relievers all the time. So, like, you know, if you're going to get rid of a Rowan Wick in the offseason or at some point or in spring training or whatever, I just feel like you, you're you going to bring these guys back in your system, see what happens. And I, I think I would be – I think maybe you get one to two non-tenders off this list. I think most of these guys are going to get tender contracts. 
All right. Well, we'll have to uh, get a pool going here and see who's closer on what the Cubs work out here. Other decisions they've got to make here. Wilson Contreras will be extended a qualifying offer. That's going to be at about $19 million. That's the right thing to do, of course. No brainer for the Cubs. If you're a Cubs fan, though, expecting Wilson Contreras to accept that, I'd say don't hold your breath. He's going to be a free agent. He's going to move on here. But the dollar figure would be $19 million over one year. Yeah, there's, you know, the very low chance that maybe his market doesn't develop like he expects it to. And he takes what is a very comfortable one year contract to come back to the Cubs and sign a, you know, what they call the the pillow contract or the prove it contract and go back into free agency next year. But of course, catcher being such a physically demanding position, there's no guarantee he will be healthy at the end of next season, if he does opt to do that. So I agree it's a very low chance, but I would call it a non-zero chance. There's always the chance his market isn't going to develop like he thinks it will, and he will just opt to take this very comfortable one-year deal and stay with the team that he knows and loves. I don't think it will happen, but it would not surprise me if that did happen. Like, it's not completely out of the question. Well, doesn't he only have a one like one week to decide on whether he could take it? I don't know. Does he? Can, I think can you, you, the qualifying offer, you get one week. And then once he declines it, that's kind of it. Now, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, Jose Abreu accepted the qualifying offer like a couple years ago, and then he negotiated a three-year contract out of that with the White Sox. Um, he accepted it, took the one-year deal, then they negotiated. He ended up playing on a three-year deal uh, that same offseason. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you only get one week uh, to decide on the qualifying offer. And I don't know. I think he'll decline it, but obviously you're going to offer it him because that's the whole point of not trading him is you have to get the draft picks out of it. And the only right. way to do that is the qualifying offer. But uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical of thinking that he, I mean, who knows, maybe he'll want 20 years, $1 million or excuse me, one year to stay in Chicago. Isn't the worst life. Nope. If you can get, if you can get him on a 20 year, $1 million contract, I think the Cubs should probably go for that. Uh, I, I think the players association would have a few words with his agent. If that were to play out that yeah. way. I'm Jeremy, 20. October, October 25th, right? We got a long way to go here. Lots going on. Uh, if you were asked though, where's Wilson playing next season, what would you say is most likely? Well, unfortunately, I mean, I don't know about most likely, but I, I hate all these rumors coming up about the Cardinals, you know, don't like Wilson it. talking to don't like it. Quintana don't put it out either. what's going out there with the Cardinals, you know, filling in for Yadi or Molina. Um, that's kind of a disappointing uh, thing. So I really hope that doesn't happen uh, next year. I don't know. Just thinking about, you know, the teams that need catchers. I don't know. Maybe he ends up in New York after all this stuff is said and done, you know, with uh, the Mets. I could see either New York team potentially making a run at him. The Yankees aren't necessarily that strong at catcher. Uh, So I could see either New York team making a run at him. And, you know, you could go down the list and pick teams who – could use uh, a catcher. I don't think it would be a team like the Mariners. They seem very happy with Cal Rally, but uh, the Giants, you know, Joey Bart has underperformed. And again, they, they can DH Wilson Contreras in addition to having him catch. And that would be a pretty strong catching tandem for them. So, you know, you could see a team like the Giants, who's always, they've always been willing to spend money. I think there are other suitors out there than St. Louis. And I think if it does come to that, I think it behooves us to maybe pool some money to give and give that money to one of these other teams that isn't St. Louis so that they can be the highest bidder for her services. Wilson to St. Louis would be a betrayal uh, uh, 10 times the magnitude of Dexter Fowler. And I'm not talking a betrayal on the part of Wilson. It's more of a philosophical betrayal, a betrayal on the part of the universe to us, the loyal Cubs fans. You know, Dexter Fowler was here for two years. He won a World Series and still hurt. 
when he ended up in St. Louis, Wilson going there would be 10 times worse than that. And I, I shall awaken every day and start my day with a prayer that it does not happen. God. Yeah. And just to finish up on that last, it's 10 days, Randall. They have 10 days. A player has 10 days to accept a qualifying offer after they've been offered. All right. 10 days. That's a very exciting 10 days. It's QO mm-hmm. days. Exactly. Well, a couple weeks ago, I made a passionate plea for why Ian Happ should be a finalist or just a straight up gold glove winner in left field. Good news. He's a finalist. We're all ready to celebrate that. Bad news. I thought Randall, this sets up a, an epic Randall rant. Nico snubbed. That is a brutal omission to not have Nico Horner as a finalist for the gold glove. Well, my, my opinion on the Gold Glove is 100% binary. If I like the finalists and or the winner, then it's a legitimate award that deserves all the praise. And if I feel someone was snubbed or I don't like the winner, then it's a horseshit award and it's not worth talking about. So that's that's my, my Gold Glove rant. And snubbing Nico proves that the award is a sham. Some might call it a travesty. Some might call it a mockery. You put those three together, it forms a word. But uh, yeah, so stubbing Nico is ridiculous, but good for Ian Happ for at least getting that top three recognition. Horner absolutely should have been a finalist. You know, there's a number of metrics that go into evaluating defense. They are, I think, flawed at best. But it seems to me that everything Nico did defensively, both with the eye test and with those defensive metrics, deem that he should have been at least a finalist. But there, it's, it's no point in, in screaming about it because we all know the Gold Glove is, again, a sham award. Yeah. Randall, I like that uh, Travis Sham mockery reference. Uh, Cub fan Bob Odenkirk with that one, who's been snubbed a few times for some awards. Mm. And I agree with you, uh, Nico Horner being a big snub. But I'm going to eat some crow here. You know, I was a little skeptical when we had this discussion of Ian Happ, uh, you know, being the guy as the finalist. And I I, I put out, I said, you know, I thought Tyler O'Neill would win that award. And, and I got some flack on that. And Tyler O'Neill didn't even get nominated, which shocked me. I thought at least maybe for that utility position, he would get nominated. The two-time defending left field gold glove, who's still, you know, he had some injuries this year, but still produced at a rate. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. There's some, there's some weird choices this year. It seemed sure. like the gold glove had been kind of moving toward, it's not like Rafael Palmero getting, winning a gold glove when he played like 40 games in the field one year. But like, I thought it's to be like, it had been trending towards like, okay, these are all reasonable decisions. But then this season's kind of like, huh, I don't understand some of these kind of nominations. And I, I don't understand how Nico Horner is not a nominee. I think no. that Nico Horner should definitely be in that shortstop consideration in the National League. Well, I figured that Christian Yelich would get Randall stewing a bit as well. Yeah, exactly. Christian Yelich isn't worth anyone's time anymore. He's a, a sad, shattered husk of what he once was. He had the season of his career, the season of his life in 2018, just enough to take away a legitimate division title from the Cubs, just away, just enough to take away the MVP from Javi. And then he, he flamed out after that. And if that's not the most Brewers thing ever, I don't know what is. But even the eye test, like watching him, we see him 18 times a year, not just his timidness defensively, but the arm, he can't throw a baseball. And that's not something that you and I just saw because we're watching the Cubs every day. Those were storylines on Sunday night baseball and national broadcasts all year. The secret's out, yet he gets a nod. It's it's very bizarre, and it certainly is not what it purports to be in honoring the best defensive players because that makes absolutely no sense. I remember, I remember 
when he was coming up in the draft, reading like scouting reports on him and people and in the scouting reports being like, well, there's questions about whether or not he could play in the outfield because he has no arm. Like he, he's no arm. He maybe play him at first base. And then we see it like all the time. He has no arm. Like you, I would run on him like crazy. I just, it's just crazy to me that he gets nominated for something like this. Your 2022 Chicago Cubs won a game almost solely because he has no arm. Of course, the Christopher Morrell sack fly to end the game, the ball to Yelich out there in left field at Wrigley, and the, the runner scored easily. Yelich never had a chance at it. it, it yeah, the, the award a lot of the time is kind of a we've heard of this guy award. It's definitely a name award. It's definitely a recognition award. It's definitely not a a. It's definitely not recognition for the actual best defensive players. And we all know that. We're not breaking any news here, but it is still true. Well, here's the dumbest thing you're going to hear tonight, but it makes me happy, so I'm going to say it anyway. Jeremy, Kristen Yelich at 322 feet in left field, the grass at Wrigley Field. He's standing in the grass, 322 feet from home plate. He does or does not throw out Randall J. Sanders tagging up from third. Well, I, I just was railing on Christian Yelich's arm, but I, I still think that Christian Yelich is going to get Randall out tagging from nope. third. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if we got the fleetest of foot on the run nope. home from third. Um, uh, I'm just hoping Randall makes it all the way to home and no stumbles or trips on the way there. Nope, nope, I would make it. I would absolutely run on Christian Yelich all day, every day. All I have to do is turn back and shout, hey, Pete Davidson. And he's just so, so defeated that he doesn't even get the throw off. So I, I, I would, would absolutely, I would absolutely outrun. I would absolutely outrun a Christian Yelich throw from the grass. Not even a question. I would pay good money to watch that. We get a, we need a catcher too. I want to see Randall bowling over a catcher, yeah. you know, somebody out there to receive the throw. Uh, you know, you get, I don't know, Vic out there, Victor Caratini or whatever. And Randall just, just give him the big body blow to get home. Put, yeah. put the tools of ignorance on Ryan Braun and also put some catching gear on him too. I'll bowl his ass over too. Well, I would say, I think you're on the right track here, Jeremy. Marquis has a lot of airtime to fill. And I'd be very interested in Randall versus the Cubs, like a skill competition, Randall up there, and not just current Cubs. Like, do you think yeah. Fergie Jenkins could strike out Randall? Okay, no, no let, let me rephrase it because he could. Yeah. Could Randall J. Sanders make contact off of Fergie Jenkins today? No. I would no. love to see it. I'd love no. to see that. I, I would not even come close. Up. I would not even come close, and Fergie would roast my ass for doing it. And I admit every bit of this. Roasted. Roasted, completely roasted. But yeah, Ryan Ontario could uh, assess something with Randall here. Those comments you made about you know going to St. Louis, Terrio, one of the famous Cubs, to go the other way and make some comments about it. Uh, maybe like a skills competition between Ryan Terrio and Randall J. Sanders. I'd like to watch oh, that. Please, I'll use, I'll use a, I'll use a multi-syllabic word. Take Terrio out of the game completely. Yeah, and I would like, you know, you get Randall like maybe in a pickle, like uh, between first and second or second and third or something like that. You get get him in a rundown. Uh, I would like to see Randall trying to get, get safely to a base. Yeah, yeah, which is an idea yeah. for the folks over at Marquee if they're looking for some uh, airtime to fill here. I, I think what ultimately I'm getting at, though, with all the Cubs stuff is I'm, I'm antsy here. It's right. This is sort of a, a quiet time. There's some interesting news coming out of Arizona with the Fall League. Other than that, they can't really do anything. It's kind of rumor central. We need the World Series to end. But I am feeling good. I, I really do believe that this team is going to have an aggressive offseason. And I've spent the last couple of years, the first 86 episodes of this podcast, being fairly pessimistic about preseason expectations or the direction the organization is going. Jed Hoyer, who took on a lot of heat 
for the spot that he was thrust in in 2020 has done a fantastic job. And, and I think we're going to see that really begin to pay off this year. And, and I'm excited about that. It's fun going into this off season, knowing one, we got labor peace two the Cubs have a ton of roster flexibility and they've got current players on the big league roster that have already performed in the major leagues and more coming with a really strong farm system. So uh, I understand why you'd be pessimistic or why you're not necessarily all in on Tom Ricketts today. He has he earned it the last couple of years. I think he's earned some frustration, but this is going to be a good off season and I'm, I'm buying the Cubs are going to be a very good team next year and they're going to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah. All I right. agree with you. Theme, I, uh, theme of the show. Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. I think that I, I, I totally understand anybody who's like in a prove it mode kind of with mm-hmm. Tom Ricketts. I mean, we've seen the last couple off seasons, but we saw the off seasons before that, like when the Cubs needed to spend for the most part up until 29, uh, that 2018 off season, they did. And, and they spent some big contracts and they went out and they won and whatever. And we all know how it ended, but uh, I agree with you. And, you know, Jed kind of got criticized a little bit last year and this year talking about, you know, spending intelligently and whatever, but like spending intelligently can mean a whole variety of things. So, and spending money on this team, like this is a team that's set up to be, have money spent on, like they have kind of this core in place of like solid players that have contributed, have proven themselves, but what they don't have is elite talent. They don't have top end talent. And right now the main way for them to get top end talent is to go out and spend on it. Like a shortstop, one of these top end guys, and to me, that's intelligent spending. Like that's smart spending because that's spending in the right place where you need to make this team competitive. You can get guys that fit. Carlos Correa is 28 years old. I'm not saying we're going to sign Carlos Correa, but there are guys that fit a long-term kind of plan in the short term as well. So I, I just, I agree with you. Like it's set up for a big off season and I'm very happy there's no lockout that it all can come in, not just mm-hmm. a quick in March or whatever. So yeah, I'm I'm expecting good things this off season. The, the framework is there. The Pieces of the core are in place on the roster. The needs are clear. The money is there to be spent and the players are there to have money spent on them. You just need to pull the lever now, but all the pieces are in place. You just need to bring them together. You know, I'd also say unrelated to the Cubs, but just in terms of an off season, I find the off seasons with the world baseball classic are just a little bit shorter. They feel a little bit shorter because you're watching some competitive baseball when normally it's spring training games. And that makes it a little bit more fun. And it's been so many years since we've had one. Uh, Anything else just sort of on your mind here? I mean, we got some shows coming up the next few weeks where there will be transactions and there'll be players coming to Chicago and getting wined and dined and a chance to see the city. But what else sits with you right now, October 25th, uh, one final time before the World Series wraps up for this Cubs team right now? Well, one member of this podcast lives in the city of Chicago, and that, of course, is Jeremy. Jeremy, as these players come in, you have a duty to figure out where they're going so you can camp out and hold out signs and show them just how passionate Cubs fans are. So I hope you're up to it, Jeremy. I really do, because that's make or break as far as the recruiting of the free agents. Yeah, I'll be up at the Starbucks looking to see if the Theo's over there or whoever uh, is coming in. But I do remember... And this is not the Cubs, but I do remember with the Bulls when they had that big offseason, the year 2000, they had all these free agents right after, you know, uh, Michael retired. And they they brought in, I remember Tracy McGrady coming in. They had Benny the Bull at O'Hare Airport. They had all these guys welcoming him in, and the Bulls signed none of those players. All of them went somewhere else. So hopefully the Cubs don't have that kind of experience this offseason. But, yeah, I agree with you. Unfortunately, I imagine a lot of these talks won't actually be at Wrigley. They'll probably be, you know, like Sayo was in Los Angeles, right? Um, or, or somewhere in California. And uh, so, but yeah, I'll be on the lookout. I'll be 
you know, searching, snooping, seeing who's going to come in. And maybe I'll catch a glimpse of your Trey Turner or Carlos Correa. That's I'm excited for that. And as I said, I'm excited for like the fact that we talked about a little bit, but the Cubs have this kind of core. Like they have a Nico Horner who's shown he can play in the majors. They have uh, Christopher Morrell, who maybe he might not be what he is, but he's shown good things. They have Ian Happ improving. They have a pitching staff that's shown like, Basically, I, I you don't have that top elite pitcher, but you got Stroman. You got hopefully Hendricks comes back. You got Steele and maybe Thompson and 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 Wesneski and these young guys that kind of can build up like a core of the rotation. You just need these elite pieces. They're just got like these holes that are just so perfectly set up. Like okay, if I could fill this in with a this guy and fill this in with this guy, this Cubs team could win 85, 90 games next year. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm excited for. And and I know the organ- I know the front office is smart enough to see that. I just hope they actually go out and do it, and I have faith that they will. Yeah, and uh, to the Cubs fans' credit, attendance down at Wrigley Field. You know, uh, it, it the Cubs fans, to the degree that they can, made a bit of a statement, and we're seeing that reflected in the single biggest off-season ticket price reduction since 1990. So they do have the attention. Yes, it's still very expensive to go to Wrigley Field. They're still going to draw plenty of fans next season. They outdrew, you know, the White Sox again this year. But Cubs fans did make a bit of a statement this year. There were enough days at Wrigley Field that were not that crowded that I think Tom Rizkis is going to see the value in going out and spending some money. And 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 also a little bit to the Cubs' credit, um, where in the years past they did do some things like you know canceling the ownership panel at Cubs convention. But they've never canceled Cubs convention, which no. the White Sox <laughs> just did canceling Sox Fest. And I think that is absolutely ridiculous. No offense. I know they had a disappointing season. I know fans are upset. But how do you cancel Sox Fest? Like, that's your one chance to bring in the fans and have a whole thing. And I can you imagine if the Cubs canceled Cubs convention? Yeah. Like, that would be crazy. Yeah, all 200 attendees are going to be just broken up about it. <laughs> I, I, you have a Sox Fest, you, you reach out to your fans. Like, I, when I heard they canceled Sox Fest, I was like, are they hiring Ozzy? Like, are, are they doing something that's going to piss off the fan base? Like, why would I heard they cancel Sox Fest? When I heard they canceled Sox Fest, I said, there was a Sox Fest. <laughs> oh, Randall, he's just hating. Yeah. Randall's hating. I would be, uh, oh, let me put it this way. If you want a good omen going into next season for the Cubs, the Cubs convention does begin on January 13th, which Ooh. is the birthday of Randall J. Sanders. So Boy, there's, I thought, there's no omen quite like that. I good thought being in 2022, which is Randall's special number 22, I thought that would mean some good luck this season. The Cubs got better as the year went on, so maybe we saw that. But the Cubs convention opening on your birthday, Randall, let that be a good sign of good things for next year. Uh, before we go World Series, anything else, Cubs, on your mind? Player you want to talk about? Storyline here in the offseason? Anything you guys got? What am I missing? What are we forgetting? I think a big topic of discussion, if Wilson Contreras does walk, and that, that is probably the case, is what exactly the Cubs do at catcher next year. You don't really have anyone in the high minors or even at the double A who's ready to come up where if Wilson walks and they don't add anyone new, we're probably looking at a tandem of PJ Higgins and uh, Jan Gomes at the catching position. So I think that would be interesting to talk about at some point is what exactly the catching position is going to look like offensively and defensively. If Wilson in, invariably probably leads as a free agent. I think that answer is already in front of us. It's Jan Gomes, lots of Jan Gomes. And I think that's what this front office prefers too. 
really, I think that's the type of catcher that this front office prefers. And whether it's PJ Higgins or they go out and they get another guy, I don't know that that's a huge deal at this point. But it's going to be a lot of Jan Gomes. And we saw what we saw this year. He is going to be the man next year for the Cubs behind the plate. I don't, yeah, I don't disagree with you, Ronan. I, I think that, and as much as I love Wilson, I've always kind of thought like one thing the Cubs have kind of lost that were they, uh, the last few years where they kind of got away from was Wilson was not the best behind the plate and he was not a great pitch framer. And when the Cubs were winning at their peak, they had great catcher defense in terms of pitch framing. And they had David Ross and Miguel Montero were two of the best in the league at pitch framing in 2015 and 2016. And I have always thought the Cubs kind of have lost some of that. And I think, I think Jan Gomes kind of, I know he's not quite the offensive star that Wilson is, but I, I do think he brings some of that back. Like he knows how to handle a pitching staff. He knows he's going to do all those things that I don't really think was kind of there with Wilson, where I don't know if the pitchers were always the most comfortable throwing to him, you know, whatever. And I, I think that's kind of, even if they bring Wilson back, I wouldn't shock me if you see a lot of Wilson DH, a lot of Wilson mm -hmm. first base and Jan Gomes still getting a lot of that catching time. Cause I do think that's something they kind of do value this newer front office, not new necessarily with Jed still at the top, but I, I think that's something they kind of lost. And, and so I, I think Jan Gomes is going to be a, a big part of that as well. I agree with you, Ronan. And I think you are seeing a shift uh, at the catching position across major league baseball. And now that everyone has the designated hitter where you can afford to have kind of a, an offensive uh, non-contributor in your lineup every day. If you look at the playoff teams, the Yankees starting catcher or sees most of the starting time at catcher was Jose Trevino. The Yankees have Christian Vasquez. The Mariners were starting Cal Raleigh who, 26 home run hitter, but still more of a, a glove than a full bat aside from the power numbers. I think you're seeing a shift across major leagues of starting kind of a glove first catcher, getting the benefits from that. And then whatever offense a guy provides is just kind of a bonus. And like we're talking about, if and when Wilson does leave as a free agent, I think you're seeing the Cubs potentially shift towards that where Gomes is a defensive catcher first and whatever occasional home run or double or single the other way he's able to provide you is a bonus. You're just going to start him in the nine spot every day. And whatever you get out of him from the bat is a bonus as long as he guides this up and coming pitching staff. And I think you're seeing that shift across major league baseball. And I think you're potentially seeing the Cubs poised to kind of jump on board that. Yeah. And, and like Jan Gomes has been a guy who's kind of, he's shown offensive ability in the past. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's been up and down with it as a lot of catchers are, you know, it's always a hard, such a hard position that it kind of fluctuates year to year, but like, you never know, like you could get a good offensive season out of a guy like Jan Gomes. Like, so it wouldn't necessarily, I, I just think he would, you know, he would be the guy like he's he's had years where he's like had over an 800 OPS or above a 100 OPS plus. So I think you give he would probably I think he's probably going to be the guy that gets the majority of catcher starts next year. It wouldn't surprise me if they bring in another catcher to, like as a as a, uh, a backup or maybe somebody that like if it plays well can compete. But I think Jan Gomes is going to be the primary yeah. catching option in 2023. Well, next time we talk, it's going to be a different world here for the Cubs, and there'll be a lot more to talk about with regards to offseason acquisitions and moves here. Uh, also, and I said this earlier, but just reinforcing the trade, this free agency is not the only option where the Cubs can go out and make the team better for next year. Trades are viable, and that is part of reinforcing your farm system is you can go out and make moves like that. So we'll see what they do here. One thing in the way, though, between this 
And what should be an active Cubs offseason is the fall classic. And I think it's going to be a good one here. The Phillies, the feel-good story right now out of the National League. They win the pennant for the first time since 2009. The Houston Astros, again, in the World Series for the American League. And, and they are like a freight train, Jeremy. They seem unbeatable at this point. Look, anything can happen, right, in a seven-game series. But Houston's coming in with everything going right. Yeah, yeah, they they seem so good, and it's, uh, you know, I'm not rooting for Houston at all. I don't want Houston to win. I, I'm going to be rooting for Philadelphia, but I will say, if Houston does end up winning, you know, good for Dusty. Like, I, I, I'm rooting for, if Dusty gets wins his World Series, I'd be happy for him. He would cement his place as a Hall of Fame manager. I think he's fitting well with that organization, that team. He's kind of adapted over the years, his playing, his managing style. Like, he's not that guy he was in Chicago, not the guy he even probably was in Cincinnati. Um, you know, the few years with the Nationals and the Astros. So, but they're so good. That's such a good baseball team for the last six years, I think, what, being in the World Series? That's ridiculous. So and they haven't had a lot of success in the World Series, but um, I'm, I'll be, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be rooting for the Phillies. They have a few. I usually root for the team with the most former Cubs, and I'm a big Bryce Harper fan. So sure. go Phillies Easy. on this one. There's a lot of very – easy to root for players on the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber, of course, what more needs to be said about him? Bryce Harper, one of the great players of his generation. Uh, Nick Castellanos had a great half season as a Cub. There are a lot of players on the Phillies whom it is very easy to root for. So, and I, nobody really wants to see the Astros win. So I think that's the rooting interest to the extent that one needs to be picked. So uh, I am also quietly pulling for Phillies players to win this World Series because that keeps the Astros out of the winner's circle again. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting matchup. The Astros, a team that I think everyone expected to be there. They are uh, undefeated in the playoffs so far. The Phillies, of course, took a much longer path to get there. They went from being swept by the Cubs late in the season, 0-6 in the season series, and now they are four wins away from a championship. So they're a, a great lesson for spend money, get in the playoffs, and see what happens from there. Exactly. And they knocked the Cardinals out of the playoffs. So you have to, they did knock the Cardinals that. off the playoffs. I do, I do owe them a debt of gratitude for that. So thank you for that Phillies in, in a soul crushing way too. In game one of the, the I, uh, I, I enjoy that even more. So uh, yeah, I'm with you root for the Phillies. Bryce Harper's so good. That home run. I mean, I don't know what the Padres were doing. I don't know. I have, don't have hater to pitch to Harper, but uh, uh, he's so good at, at hitting that. I, I love watching him hit. And this is something that has been talked about the last couple of days, but it, it bears being reinforced. What he has done, Bryce Harper, is really remarkable. Like, this is a guy that when he was a teenager, they were saying this is going to be a superstar in Major League Baseball. He's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. There's videos of him on YouTube and stuff from high school showcases and stuff like that. This is a guy that had the weight of the world in terms of the baseball world on his shoulders since he was before he was able to drive. And he has exceeded those expectations. He has become a superstar player. He just misses the World Series in Washington. You know that one burns. You leave in free agency, then your former team goes out and wins it. He goes to Philly, rough city, you know, tough fan base. And he just goes out and dominates. And that home run the other night was just icing on the top. Now get that World Series and cement it. One of the great baseball players. But just to think about, yes, he's had the talent. And you need other things to go your way in order to get to the major leagues and stay there, including a little bit of luck to keep your health and things like that. But this is a guy who had all the pressure in the world and he still went out and dominated. That's badass 
So I'm pulling for him. And all the other ex-Cubs over there, too. It's fun seeing Schwarber hitting massive bombs in the championship series. But I'd love to see Bryce Harper win the World Series MVP, cement that with that World Series win, and then let's go rip it, Cubs. So, yeah, go Phillies here. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. It's him. It's kind of like I have the same respect for him as I kind of do with LeBron, where it was like two guys that everybody hyped up for since they were 13, 14 years old. And they went out and they did it. And what Bryce Harper has done, you know, like you said, like I remember first reading about Bryce Harper as like a 14 year old when he was like 14 and people were like, oh, this guy's he left high school early. Like, don't forget about that. He left high school early to enroll in junior college so he could be eligible for the major league draft the next year. So he basically entered uh, as like uh, as after his high school senior year into the draft, which is, you know, um, excuse me, but before that. So it's just a study. He went through the minors like so fast and he was voted like the most overrated player by all the players. Like when he was like 20 years old, cause he was hyped up and he, but he was, he was an above average player. He might not have been like a superstar, but he was like a 19 year old kid hitting like 280 with like 20 homers. And people were like, he's the most overrated player. And I always thought that was ridiculous. And then he had that monster MVP year and he's always kind of like, he's been hurt a little bit. So like, there's always this kind of like, well, he hasn't quite, there's people that are like, well, he hasn't quite, you know, he's been compared against Mike Trout, who's been amazing. Hasn't quite, but like, look, like take a step back. This guy is a two-time MVP. He, ever since he was, as you said, 14 years old, everybody's been, what he's done everything. He's one yeah. of the best hitters in baseball. He crushes the ball. Like when he's locked in, in, in the zone, I don't think there's a better hitter in baseball I, I when he's locked in. And he then those can last on for months. Now he had a poor end of the season kind of because he hurt himself. He he had a uh, you know a finger injury, I believe. But uh, he he seems to be healthy now, and I'm I'm pulling for him. I agree with you. World Series MVP MVP for Bryce Harper would be uh, you know he's a two time MVP like in an NL like there's not many of those guys. At, to our listeners who are not familiar with how Harper was able to be drafted so young, he actually earned his GED, his high school equivalency, uh, as a high school junior, making him eligible to graduate high school. He basically, you know, he he uh, he tested out of his final two years of high school. Basically, he was able to enroll at a uh, junior college, and then he was drafted out of that junior college after the one season, which is how he was able to be drafted so young. But yeah, he's had this pressure on his shoulder, his shoulders for the better part of 15 years now and he has done nothing but deliver and you mentioned he was voted the most overrated player what a dumb poll what what yeah. how 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 degenerate no, no. here's your here's your word Ronan degenerate how degenerate are we that we're giving players an opportunity to anonymously slander other players like that i think it's unnecessary you're about to disagree and that's fine yeah. i think that's unnecessary i don't i don't think that's the kind of polls of major league players we need if we're being honest i, I, I disagree i like the drama okay. i like right. the th- i want to know who who is liked in major league baseball and who the players don't like because then you get villains and heroes and interesting storylines that go along with that as well it's not everything needs to be in an era of public relations and uh, people protecting their brand and all that crap not everything needs to be that safe so i like it i will i would love to know consistently who's the most hated major league baseball player by their peers right now that's fun and the only way you can really do that in this world is to do it anonymously i I think it's silly but we can we can disagree that's fine you like disagreeing i know you're a you're a debater you're a disagreeer so and one thing with that i think players kind of just like resented his hype and how like you know it was always like i remember our guy 
at least my guy, hopefully your guy, Cole Hamels, when the first time he faced Bryce Harper, he threw at him, hit him, <laughs> yeah. and then he, he they asked him about it. He said, yeah, I did it on purpose. And it was basically because, like, I want to teach this kid a lesson <laughs> who's some 19-year-old stud, and I'm just going to hit him because I want to hit him. And I think there was a lot of players that kind of had that feeling uh, when he was coming up. He was like, you know, like, this guy's supposed to be the all-everything. He's young. And it was like, okay, let's show him that we're all major leaguers here. Like, we're all in professional ball players. Like, you're not just going to come in here and just – dominate us all and i think there was a little bit of that resentment and i think yeah. you know it comes out in like a cole hamels who seems like a kind of you know a great guy just throwing at a kid at, pur- at purpose admitting to it but it led to yeah. a cool moment too and that harper scored because of that he got to third and he scored stealing home so you have this cool moment where you got this old grizzly player trying to stick it to the young guy the young guy comes around and scores then goes out and has a multiple mvp career all the other stuff that comes with it i i don't know i think it's part of the fun and the drama of it instead of these guys just being robots all of the time. Let there be some emotion in the game, even if it's kind of meatball emotion from time to time. Yeah, he did. He went full Roger Dorn in Major League shouting at Lou Brown. I'm not here to take any crap from this rookie, Lou. That's yeah. that, that happened all the time in old school baseball, baseball that we look back fondly on. I think there's still a bit of a place for it in the game. Um, but yeah, go Phillies. We're all pulling for it. Dusty trying to make it happen. He's had a lot of heartbreaks in the postseason over the years, but he's got a stacked team here. I said they're like a freight train, Randall. That would be a freight train of pumpkins, right? That's what Ronnie would say. I was thinking the exact same thing. Ron Santo, may God rest his soul. Gee whiz, Patrick, one of those big orange things on top of Minute Maid Park. Are they pumpkins? No, Ron, they are not pumpkins. May, may he rest in peace and rest in pumpkins. All right. Show, October. Show, yeah, October. Uh, fitting here. Show number 87. Uh, this is our last show, actually, until Halloween. So now i got to do it. Randall, what are you for Halloween? Uh, I'm going to keep going as a mild-mannered podcast co-host. It's been oh, my costume geez. for a couple seasons now, and it hasn't not worked yet. No fun. Jeremy? Well, you're gonna you're gonna get on me for no fun as well. I'm not. I've never been a big Halloween guy, so I, I'm going as you know, uh, just kind of you know, optimistic Cubs fan. I guess is what I'm writing right now. You're fun going as the podcast. guy. From, you're going as the guy from the Modelo commercial with the encyclopedic knowledge of garage rock. Sure, def, definitely. Well, I'm disappointed in you both. Even Huxley will be costumed. I will be Bob Ross and I'm looking forward to that. We got a event here. <laughs> you gonna paint you some you gonna paint you some happy little trees, Ronan? Oh, that's one way of putting it. Uh looking forward <laughs> to it though. Friday night. Uh gonna have a good time with that. Uh Dobby for Huxley. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter films. Oh, but, but you're dressing him as Dobby. He's got well, I'm not okay. the only one in this okay. house who makes Okay, right. right. Of course. Of course. Make, well, sure, you just, just, make sure he doesn't get any socks. I was literally just about to say be careful if you give him any socks. Yeah. 87 randall have any cubs ever worn 87 as a matter of fact there has been one cub player or coach to have worn number 87 and it happened in uh the season you would probably expect it to happen which of course is 2021 catcher eric castillo who played exactly four games for the vaunted 2021 chicago cubs Uh, as i said he was a catcher he started two of those games he caught 21 innings he had two hits in nine plate appearances uh he has not appeared he has not appeared in the majors since that he is the sole number 87 to appear in a regular season game coach or player um in chicago cubs history so uh more than zero there has been one and that one is eric castillo all right. Uh, anything else, guys, before we break here? You know, let's let's have a good 
World Series. Let's have an entertaining World Series, but let's also get it done quickly so that we can get to this offseason. Yeah, ready for it. Jeremy, what else you got? Anything? I, I, yeah, I agree with Randall here. I, you know, five days after the World Series is when the first real action happens in the offseason. And like, I'm always counting down like those five days. It's like, okay, we're getting to the point where the offseason can really start in full. And, uh, and things are going to happen fast. Like there's, there's opt out deadlines and a lot of contracts that um, are, or opt in deadlines that are like a day or two after the world series as much. And so you might see some quick trades right after the world series ends, because there's going to be some teams that are like, Oh, he has an option. I might be interested in him. And so, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch this world series though. I wish it wasn't Friday. That seems so far away. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm excited. I, you know, Houston versus Philadelphia. I think it's going to be a good World Series. I'm a, it's going to be the end of baseball, but the quicker baseball ends, the quicker baseball starts. So right. let's go Cubs. Well, let's enjoy the last live baseball we will see this season here in the big leagues. Uh, also, I want to say one other thing here. Credit where credit is due. I think the Phillies fans have been phenomenal, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that energy is like in that ballpark for the World Series. Houston whatever you know it's going to be rocking down there but philly has really been awesome fans into it on their feet you know it's a city that likes good teams and they got a good grease, football team right now too. grease those light bulbs yeah yeah but it's uh, it'd be fun and we'll see what happens here but we'll be back as this world series winds down good to have you back jeremy we'll be talking more cubs baseball off, off season right here on behind the yellow line <laughs>